Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, everyone. I'm excited today to bring you Chris Michael Harris. He has founded and bootstrapped and scaled multiple startups to seven figures in his mid to late 20s. He's also the founder of Startup U, which is an online school for business owners to help people leave their jobs to run successful companies. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, man. I, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So, I mean, qu- kind of quite the journey, kind of quite the the bio here. Can you can you give an idea of what uh, you know? What was the first business that you really started and grew? Yeah. So it was um not a glamorous business. We're in the moving industry. Uh, college apartment, just saw a need for it. Saw a lot of students. The average apartment's about 80% turn every summer. You know, Students mm-hmm. moving, coming and going, this and that. Uh, so we started that as just a side hustle to make money while we were in college, my brother and I. And the trend in, in student housing at that time, and has continued to be the case, is fully furnished. So you mm-hmm. show up and rather doing all the moving around, like I just mentioned, you show up and all the stuff is already provided. Stuff being beds, dressers, nightstands, entertainment centers, sofas, et cetera. Um, so somebody had to install these things. Uh, so very quickly, we found uh, ourselves doing both sides. So doing the residential moves, but also doing the installation stuff. We were in 32 states, working oh, wow. with five of the seven major turnkey furniture manufacturers in the United States, uh, all over the place. We went from me and a couple guys, including my brother, to <laughs> like 700 employees in 32 states. And oh, wow. Dealing huge. with seven-figure contracts and... Yeah, and I'm like 25. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, so it was move, absolutely wild. You so. would move in the furniture so they didn't have to go out and buy. Like when I was in college, I had to go out and to like buy the cheapest mattress, buy the cheapest sh- right. you know, shit. You guys would, they would kind of buy from you. You would get it in there and stage. So it was- We didn't own the furniture. They they contracted us to install it. So a lot okay. of the stuff was shipped, if we're being totally transparent, was coming from China yep. uh, or Mexico. And so this stuff was delivered through customs. We would then arrange the logistics with, I mean, we're talking- 30, 40, 50, 18 wheeler worth of truckload furniture on a, on a shipment schedule every single day. So we're, we're navigating logistics, dealing with customs, dealing with manufacturers, everything delivered, and then doing the installation stuff on our end. So these could be six to eight month projects for new builds. Turns were a little bit different. If they had existing furniture that needed to be turned because college mm-hmm. kids destroy furniture, who would guess? Um, then we'd have to go in, find a place to, to, to deliver thousands of pieces of furniture, like a furniture bank, and then put in all the new furniture that was delivered from overseas. So it was quite an elaborate, in terms of navigating that, it was super elaborate. And there were some cool things that we did, incorporating technology into a very old, antiquated dinosaur industry that gave us a huge uh, competitive advantage that allowed us to, to see that kind of growth. Okay. What, what was some of it? Was, it? was it stuff already out there or stuff you guys custom built? Yeah. So one we, one we really custom built, a lot of it we custom built, but the one that really gave us a lot of opportunity was we developed this, like the most ridiculous Excel, Excel spreadsheet I've ever seen in my life. Okay. We could do down to, down to nine decimal points of accuracy. Uh, and it was basically calculating, okay, there's this item of furniture, how many parts of assembly are involved with that? So if it's six parts of assembly, we can calculate that each part takes about a minute and a half. How many men does it take to carry? Because if you're talking about items that take one person to carry, you're now losing... If it's two people, you're losing a person. So you have to calculate for that, mm. right? 
So all these various inputs, these data entry points that we added to this Excel doc that would encompass how to derive a quote for this particular manufacturer. The problem is in that industry, what we came to find very quickly was that very dinosaur industry approach to it. These guys would just throw out a number. They had no idea if it was accurate. And so what happens is either they lowballed it way too much and then had to beg for more money or it was way over and it just wasn't competitive. So we, we got to the point where we could give them an accurate quote for any project across the country in 15 minutes. Hmm. The nearest competitor that we had took two to three days. Okay. So there were some projects, like one we did here in Austin, it was a 27-story building. We turned it in 21 days. I did probably 40 revisions on the quote, while these various specifics that they wanted to know, like what if we did this type of bed? Or what if it was in this amount of days? Or what if we worked around the clock? Or what Like all these varying you know data point entries that they wanted for quotations, my competitors couldn't even, they, they didn't have the, the bandwidth nor the, the capabilities or the tools to be able to provide that quote. I was the only person in the whole country that quoted on hmm. that bid on that job, the only one. Hmm. Uh, and so we got that job and then guess what? I can charge premium because guess who can't do it? Like anyway, you want these uh, various options? Else. You don't have that ability. I do. Um, so that, that saw us experience some massive growth. There were some other cool things we were doing uh, for like management, right? Because when you're talking about an environment where you don't have a, a controlled ecosystem, right? Like a centralized office, you have guys in the field, you have all this stuff going on. Well, you're there with other contractors, specifically with the installation work. You've got, you know, the guys doing the flooring, you've got the guys there doing the plumbing, the electricity, right? Like all that's being done at the same time. So you'll have guys, you'll have, you'll put in a brand new desk and you'll literally come back in and the electrician is standing on that desk to do something he needs to do. Like literally using it as a stool. It's like, bro, like, come on. So yeah. we were in the process of rolling out um, and we were a little bit too early. The technology wasn't exactly there yet, but our, all of our, all of our installers would wear stealth cameras on their hats, their company hats. And we'd be able to tap into a live feed and be able to see at any point. Plus we'd record that data, every that, those, that video footage every day. So if something were to happen, the likelihood of us having actual eyeballs on the scene, we were right there. So again, not at all the way that people in the industry were thinking. And a lot of people kind of poo-poo and I was glad to hear what you're doing because a lot of people poo-poo on those dinosaur industries, but here's the deal. Most of the time, the ugly duckling, those are the biggest opportunities because everybody's just kind of there, whatever, it's dismissive, it's not sexy. And those yep. are big opportunities. So for people that are thinking about going into something, uh, definitely look at those. Look at those dinosaur industries that really suck. My, my mentor sa says this, he loves industries that are, um, uh, oh, what does he say? Male, pale, and stale. That's what he says. So white, old white dudes, yeah. old white dudes aren't innovating Perfect. anymore. So male, pale, and stale, he loves those industries because he can do what we did, which is just go in and just kick ass. So yeah, that was that man. And we found ourselves, you know, multiples of millions, you know, pushing $10 million with by the time I was like 27. So it was pretty nice. What, what happened to it? Did you sell it? Did you close it? Yeah, I just, man, I just was burning out, dude. It was such a tough, I mean, I was going all over the place. It just was a really, the things that I wanted to do in that industry, the industry wasn't ready for it. You know, it just, it, 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 there, there was just too many points of resistance from all areas and the vision that I had for it. I was just 20 years too early in the ideal world. You'd have robotics do, doing what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was just too early. So it was one of those things where it's like, am I convicted about this? And in which case, if I am, I need to stick with it. I need to make a career out of yeah. this, but I really, but being objective, man, I really wasn't, you know, it just kind of, yeah. I fell into it. It just, it was a college thing as a side hustle that just grew into something I never expected. So, so, how'd you uh, get, so I wasn't how'd you get that out? passionate about it. Uh, it was a great, like I, I call it getting my PhD in entrepreneurship. More realistically, it's probably my MBA now that I'm smart enough to know that that wasn't a PhD. <laughs> and, and even now I'm probably like, no, that was undergrad. This is now. There you go. How'd you yeah. get out of it? 
we just that like I we talked about selling it. Uh, we did, but we just said, hey, just we're at a point we feel like it's time. Shut it down. I just transitioned. I I so I launched the podcast. The podcast started to take off. I was having a lot of fun with that. You know, digital offers. My wife's business was taken off, so we just said done. After the last summer, we just said this is it. We're we're done with it. Hmm. I mean, so that's that's interesting too. From like you know, I, we talk a lot about like buying businesses. So like. Yeah. You know, you want out, you have this like successful, profitable business. I mean, if, if someone mm-hmm. came to you and wanted to buy it, would, would you sold it? <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah, we would have. It, it, you know, I think people underestimate it and, 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 you know, maybe it's, maybe things have changed now. Uh, it's not like you put the thing on Craigslist. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's difficult <laughs> to find the right, yeah. like who the hell wants to buy a moving business? You know what I mean? I know there are people that are out there. The only thing that we really talked about doing is the URL. We really were kicking ass. Like we really ranked higher than even like two men in the truck. We could have gone to them uh, and been like, hey, like pay us to go away kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like these relationships are really valuable. I see it's really valuable. And in hindsight, you know, knowing what I know now, not being in my 20s, uh, I probably would have pursued that that avenue. But dude, I was so, you know, it, it's easy to say that now. I was so burned out and so done at that time with that business and just in general. And I had a major health crisis, which is a factor yeah. we're not considering here. I was really flirting with cancer and like some really bad stuff. Um, so it was just time, man. I just yeah, had to yeah. invest somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, you got to put your health first and over anything else. So, right, uh, good. So then, what's uh, so talk to me about startup? You, what what is that? Who do you help? What's the value? Yeah, so I mean, I think you know, kind of going back, referring to that situation, the biggest thing that I learned was I, I caught myself. I'm sure you have as well, as of as have many people that have started a business here. You kind of get to the point where you're like, why the hell didn't we talk about this in school? Like, I paid for a good college education, like a very reputable school, University of Georgia, um, one of the best public schools in the whole state. And I just felt very ill-prepared, even with the entrepreneur clubs that I was in and all the various things that I was in. And so um, I, I just felt like I had a lot to pay forward. I had a lot to give. Um, and I felt like that if we want to affect, that, you know, I can build one onesie-twosie businesses. Like I can build one thing that goes and does a lot of things in the world. And obviously there's a lot of people that are doing amazing things with one business. But for me, I really enjoyed seeing other people like that light bulb moment, right? Where they like realized not only was I built, not built for the nine to five, which I very much felt that I never was even going way back. And I see that with a lot of entrepreneurial type people where they were always doing something. They didn't even know they were entrepreneurs. They were in fifth grade. They were doing a lawn care business. They were detailing cars. They, right. They were always, that was that side hustle type thing. They just didn't know they could spawn a career out of that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but they always inherently were that person. Um, so for me, that's, that's who I was. I just kind of wanted to instill that and t- teach people like, okay, here are the practical steps on how you actually do it. Because if the failure rate in entrepreneurship is horrible, right? I mean, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. So how do we bring that down even marginally? How do we bring that down 15%? How do we bring it down 20%? Because if we can, then we're really, then we're really in a good position. And then how do we extend that beyond just adults? Why are we waiting until people are 30, 40 years old to teach them entrepreneurship? Why aren't we teaching them when they're in kindergarten? Yeah, younger, younger. So that's the broad vision of what I have is like, let's create you know, a new way of educating people about entrepreneurship, because then it can be involved indirectly and or sometimes directly with the birth of many businesses that are causing disruption. And I think the world is crazy right now, as I think many people would agree with me. And largely, I think the big reason is because we don't have equilibrium. We have, in this case, there's a political divide, but in other cases, there's been other divides, but you have one side of the aisle that is really flexing on the other side. And it's because we don't have equilibrium. They've cornered every, every area of the market and, and their particular ideology, and they're flexing that muscle on everybody else. And so we can bitch about it, or we can do something about it. I'm not here to say that I'm, you know, either side, I can, I consider myself uh, uh, fairly moderate in, in my views on things. But the bottom line is, I can see it pragmatically from the standpoint of we need equilibrium, we need people, we need options, we need a yep. viable free marketplace. 
And so hopefully through what I'm doing, I can create and help people inspire them to go build the next awesome businesses, or we can be involved with that in some capacity. So that's kind of the, the genesis okay. point of like, of any institution educationally is create, give people opportunity to go out and do big things in the world. Okay, that's awesome. So, so what are some of the biggest, I don't know, things you are trying to teach or that you wish you knew when you were in, uh, went to college? And I went to, I went to University of Miami. I had uh, entrepreneurship Sweet. classes, you know, and then I, I feel, I kind of feel the same way where I think all the teachers, like, none of them at that point had a business. Like yeah. it, was, it was a lot of people like they had book knowledge, but maybe they didn't have real world knowledge. Um, right. So I don't know. What, so what are some of the things you wish you knew that, that now you're teaching? Well, I'll tell you the one that's the most relevant right now, because we can get into a lot of the weeds as far as like actually managing a business, cash flow management, you know, hiring, outsourcing, stuff like that. That's all really, really important stuff. I think the biggest thing now is Social media, as great as it's been as a marketing platform, people don't treat it as a marketing platform. They're like building, I don't even think they know what they're doing. They're just on the internet, just doing stuff. They're just putting out content because Gary Vee told them to put out content. I'm not here to take a shot at Gary Vee. I love Gary Vee, but I call it Gary Vee syndrome for a reason. Gary Vee has said, the person who puts out the most content is the person that wins. Okay, I'm here for that, Gary. Totally. And I get what you're saying, but people have bastardized that. So what they're doing is they're doing little dances. You know, and people that are listening, not watching, I'm doing the little dances that people do. They're pointing, you know, they're doing all the stuff on TikToks and reels and what have you. And it's like, but do you know how that's part of a broader strategy? Are you looking at your analytics on Google? Are you seeing, hey, I'm not, I'm driving very, very low CTR, which stands for click through rate from Mm -hmm. Instagram. But I'm also my YouTube, I've done three videos and I'm getting more email subscribers from YouTube than I am from, from Instagram Mm -hmm. or TikTok. So it needs to be part of my broader holistic marketing strategy because it's a good nurture tool but I can't just be doing stuff and talking about things. I have to be very, very dialed in and concentrated on what I'm doing. The other thing is, is who the hell am I serving and how am I serving them differently than what's already out there, what already exists? Am I problem aware or am I solution aware in my market, right? Or am I an unaware market? Because sometimes you're like metaverse, that's an unaware market. You have no idea for large and part, the majority of the, peop- of the market does not know what that is. Your marketing message has to speak to an unaware market. You have mm. to, primarily what you're doing is educating. If you're in a problem aware market, people know what the problem is. They know they have a problem, but they don't know there's a solution that exists. So you're doing education to then introduce your solution. If you're solution aware, and this is from Eugene Schwartz, by the way, he created the upside model for marketing, which is brilliant. You should absolutely read it. If you can find a copy of the book, less than $400, good for you. <laughs> but this a solution aware market is a very competitive market. People know that solutions exist out there right? Mm-hmm. Like they're aware of weight loss products. So how is yours different? If you look at vacuum cleaners when they sell those, it's the new triple vortex suction, blah, 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 blah. Yep. What is that? That's a solution aware message. It's different because this mechanism, this brand new thing that will finally accomplish this, because if you said, Hey, here's the deal, your carpet's dirty and my thing will clean it up for you. Okay. Yeah. We know that. Like we've heard, yep. we know what a vacuum cleaner is, yep. right? But we're not getting to that level of nuance to understand our market. And more importantly, if you're going to have a mechanized thing to present something solution aware, you've got to understand the market at a deep level to know that that's actually valuable to them, that that's actually what they're looking for. And that's actually their number one challenge. So many people don't understand their audience first, and then they're going out and just creating stuff, products and marketing messages that speak to no one, but what they think is cool. That's why you're failing. So we try to get too cute and clever with entrepreneurship. The key to entrepreneurship is this, find a problem identify the solution that people are looking for, go create solution, create content that speaks to the solution. It's literally that simple. But we've gotten all convoluted in our messaging. We've gotten all convoluted in our approach 
And so we're just doing stuff on the internet and we chase algorithms. We chase what so-and-so is doing. We listen to people like Gary Vee and we fall into Gary Vee syndrome. I love Gary Vee, but doing Gary Vee's methodology without a strategy, without a plan, without understanding and having your audience as your North node, you're going to end up somewhere in the weeds. And next thing you know, you're pivoting 25 times a week. You're like, oh, well, I got good engagement on this post. So maybe this is where I'm supposed to go. Or, oh, this, you just have no idea. You're guessing. You're totally guessing. So it's that deep dive, unsexy work, the non-glamorous stuff. It's the Arthur Blank, man. It's the getting out in front of the Home Depot store, the first iterations of it, and being like, hey, talking to every single customer that comes out, what did you like? What did you hate? What would you do differently? Well, how would you change the store? What would, what would make you come here more often? And then iterating based off of that and literally getting that feedback, constant feedback and iteration, constant feedback and iteration. Clarity doesn't strike, it unfolds. My business partner always says this, you have got to get in front of people, have conversations and use that data to test and refine. And people are just not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, one of, one of the best things I've heard said, you know, a lot of people want to say like, uh, talk about a thousand different things like one time versus yeah. talking a thousand different ways about one thing. Yeah. And it's hard though, you know, you, you have this like one, one thing you want to talk about and it's like, how do I just not repeat myself? You got to be creative. You got to think of different frameworks to say, you know, here's right. my single solution to this problem in all these different ways versus it's easier just to say, hey, I'm going to talk about this and today and profits tomorrow, margins the next day, whatever. VAs the yep. next day. I'm just going to talk about all this random business stuff versus having some singular focus. Um, yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes it's meeting people where they're at too. So people could go see my YouTube channel, which is relatively new and we're still building it. Um, but sometimes I'm talking about like random health stuff. You're yeah. like, what the hell does that have to do with entrepreneurship? And it's yeah, like, all that. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> people aren't going to YouTube and being like, understanding my PNL. Like that's not what they're YouTubing, but they are looking for things that are meeting them where they're at in their life. And then if you can tie that back, like you just mentioned, talking about a thousand different things, but then tying them to something that's a central focus, right? So if I'm talking about that, it's because I'm trying to be a better performing entrepreneur. It's because mm. I'm doing this because this is how I operate as a business owner, right? So as long as you're continuing to tie things back, you can be one of my mentors, Sean Cannell, huge YouTuber, great, great dude. He, he talked about that. He was like, look, I'm a big comic book fan. And I was like, I was really con- feeling conflicted about it. I was like, I really want to do a, a review on this movie, Justice League. I'm a you know, huge comic fan, whatever. He's like, well, then talk about how what they did relates to business. What you would have done from a marketing standpoint that ties into business, how do you tie that back? So that way you can be diverse in the things you're talking about, but there is still that central focus. It's through the lens of what you do. But again, you still have to know what that is. You have to know kind of the guiding North Node, as I mentioned, like you were talking about, Otherwise, you're just talking about stuff for the sake of talking about stuff. Okay, cool. So, so for in terms of what does the structure look like? Is it is it a course? Is it live coaching? Is it a mastermind cohort? Like, like how's it structured? Yeah. So st- there's a lot of different programs inside of Startup U. Startup U. Think about like I get in, I get uh, accepted to University of Miami, right? And then I take individual courses at University of Miami. Okay. Uh, so the primary course is Startup Launch Factory inside of Startup U. Uh, that's like, this is like, think your core curriculum, right? It's, it's a, it's a, you have to go through that program. Um, that's, that's the one that's womb to tomb. This is what you need. Hopefully not tomb, but, <laughs> but the one that you're going to navigate to start your business in the ways that I think you should. It's majority of that is completely self-study. Um, it's 30 lessons, really deep dive. You're getting PDFs, you're getting bonuses, you're getting all the tools that I use, all the tools I recommend. Um, you, there's tons and tons and this tons of like, additional like resources that go with vision, it. It's everything you would need to start. Vi- vision, goals, finances, hiring, like yeah, that. Vision, goals, we talked about the marketing stuff. stuff, building marketing. your first landing pages, building your first website, your social media strategy, what that should look like, email list building strategies, mm-hmm. how to make your first hire, what that should look like, how to get 
outsource resources like hiring your first VA. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's everything connecting your mer- your merchant account, you know, so you know, yep. okay, well, what do I? How do I like actually collect money from people? Paid. And how do I yeah. scale that out? Yeah. It's I mean, it's it's okay. everything is as basic as you could think to as advanced as you need to start making a lot of money, okay. right? Early stages, how do you make your first couple couple dollars? How do you make your first few sales? How do you start building collaborative partners? Collaboration is the number one growth hack. It just is. And it's proven across any single business. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, the algorithm's a growth hack. No, no, no. Okay, fine. Maybe it is for the next two weeks uh, until they change the algorithm. But a proven growth hack, uh, if there were such a thing, is finding collaborative partners, finding people that have an audience, that have built-in customers that you don't have, and finding a way to provide value to them so that you can cross-pollinate, right? That's the goal. Uh, so it's teaching you how to develop, develop those people. Um, so yeah, it's, it's everything you could think. There's some other programs inside of Startup U that are great, like Startup Books, where I read so you don't have to. I disseminate books uh, and I give you the big major takeaways. Business owners don't have time to read, yet it's cited as one of the most important things you can do. It's literally the blueprint to success. Um, so there's other programs inside of Startup U that we're launching as we continue to go. Eventually we'll have other quote-unquote professors, people like myself that are teaching inside of the program. Um, so it'll be an entire a uh, suite of of different programs and products in there for people that okay. need certain things they're looking they're looking for. And is it targeted to like online businesses they want to start or, or offline as well? Not really. It's more so season of business. Obviously, we kind of you know I think more of the online business owners are are keen. They're more familiar with online training. I think some of especially in the tech space are like, oh, I don't pay for programs. I don't do that's not what I do. Okay, fine. Uh, you eventually because this is the way the world is trending and it's stupid not to. Um, we're seeing a lot more service-based business owners, like a lot more, um, almost as many as the online business okay. owners at this point. People that are running, you know, a, a local business and they're trying to take advantage of digital marketing. A lot of my clients now, uh, higher-end clients, because I do I do some one-on-one stuff, very very limited. Um, but they're they're gym owners, you know, they're local business owners, and they're like, hey, you know, like I'm going to take advantage of digital marketing and stuff, and I haven't been doing that before. Um, so so it's more season of business. Kind of post, post rev, post idea, pre scale is where we're seeing a lot of people. You know, even in some cases six figures up to seven figures, but in that in that arena. Okay, is, or is, some that are brand new. Is marketing the biggest like question mark that, that yeah. you find you can add value to? Yeah, it's 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 what everybody wants to talk about, uh, and I've had <laughs> I have it's funny. I've had to reluctantly accept that because there are all the other things I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Right. Like, like, like the, 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 like the scale stuff. Like, let's yeah. talk about that. Let's talk about making those for, what does it look like? What does your cap table need to look like? How do you go out and raise money? Like all those things are things that I really want to talk about. Um, but man, everybody wants to talk about. But is that because that's the audience that you're currently talking to the most or the ones that are in that stage versus if you change, like if you evolved your message to be the person that's already there and wants to scale with that, do you think that would change your, the conversation you're having? <sighs> Man, I don't know. I, I, I see people that are, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year businesses and they've been there for some time. And the issue of why they haven't grown is their marketing. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a different, um, but it, They've graduated on from the vanity metrics of having just having followers for the sake of having followers, but they're looking for paid strategies that are marketing strategies. Like they they think that that's their big problem is marketing but, in a lot probably, of cases. But it's probably mindset and other things, right? In some cases it is, but in some cases it is marketing. Uh, in some cases it is that marketing is really weak. Um, and I think the, the the beautiful thing of the internet, like I mentioned, is that it's it's never it's never been easier to start a business. The bad thing is uh, it's never been it's never been easier to start a business. It's very saturated. Right. Yep. Like you got to cut through the noise. 
the people that are winning now, specifically after iOS 14.5, um, that update, because that really, the, the, the sharing of information really stopped to a large degree. Uh, and ads got ridiculously expensive on Facebook, like compared to what they were. I mean, it's unbelievable what they were, what we were doing before on Facebook compared to what we can do now. And a lot of the censorship nonsense and stuff like that, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, and that's hurt ads a lot. Um, but the people that are still winning are people that have good bottom of funnel. And that's all back end like marketing stuff that we teach. That's like, that's the meat and potatoes of what we teach is like, what do you do with these things so that you don't rely on ads? But if you are running ads, you're maximizing your ad spend. So this is increasing. Um, so, so you're getting leads in through email, through any way. And now you're, you're fostering growing those leads more than just yeah, trying to bring them with them when they hit your email. inbox, Yep. you know, or when they hit your email list, right? Like where are you sending them next? Are you sending them to a webinar? Are you sending them to a video series? Or you have uh, an email follow-up sequence? What are you saying? Are you hitting your buyer types? I mean, there's so many different things that go into that, right? Like what, what does that ascension ladder look like? What does that re-engagement sequence look like? These are things that are ridiculously, if you don't have that automated bottom of funnel, uh, of those really mm -hmm. solid high converting sales assets. I don't care how much you're doing on Instagram. I don't care how much, you know, how many followers you're gathering because you're not converting any of those. Right. But yep. it's a very, it's a very nuanced discussion because there's multiple strategies involved with that. It's yep. okay. How do I go? How do I take them from awareness uh, to being excited enough to want to join my email list to begin with? What kind of asset do I put in front of them? A resource I put in front of them that makes them willing to exchange an email address with me for that. Uh, once they exchange an email, okay, then what I put in front of them, do I give them a tripwire offer, like a nine, 19, $27 offer to get them paying and off the fence? Um, then do I invite them to some kind of other sales asset where I build more of a relationship with them? How many emails do I send over the course of the week when they first become an email subscriber? Because after a week, you're just a person in their inbox. You're nobody to them. Yep. You just are like, you've got to make an impression. So what are you doing? Are you having somebody you know, send somebody in the mail to them, or you send them a copy of your book, or you invite them to some kind of an asset, you know, like a four part video series. I mean, there's so many things you can do. And then what are you selling them then? And what price point should it be at for yeah. that? And this goes, and here's the deal. People hear that and they think I'm talking about info products. I'm telling you right now, the, some of the people that are winning the most with this are my offline service-based business owners that are doing something like that, whether it's a quiz or an assessment or something like that, invite them to some kind of video, whatever it is, you know, could be 15, 30 minutes, 45, you know, mini webinar live, you know, instant webinar or something. And then inviting them to do some kind of a consult, customers. And they're getting so many leads that are qualified leads every day from doing that, that they can't keep up. And now they're having to think about expanding, opening up new locations and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of these things, these conversations have been reserved for online business owners, but I'm telling you right now, we're seeing a shift. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a major shift where offline business owners, even local businesses are just absolutely crushing. And it's, it's fun because those are tangible offers, right? So, and it's beautiful because it can, you can start something now uh, where before it was very hard to market yourself. It was hard to compete. Now you can, you can dominate. Like you can really, really build an amazing local business that becomes a franchise type opportunity because you've just done so well with your marketing. And there's some really cool things I'm doing with my higher paying clients doing just that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What's some like, uh, what's like the basic tech stack you're looking at for, for somebody, for the email, for, the, oh, for all the I mean, uh, I think, funnel? Yeah. I mean, I think the first is going to be, you've got to have a solid email marketing platform, right? Like you've got to have, and, and, and then it's got to be something that, that also communicates well, if you have uh, a CRM of some sort. Um, so we're big fans of ConvertKit. Um, big, big fan of that. Um, I think having the basics in place, I think Google Analytics, non, uh, more, more people are spending time figuring out how they're going to dance on their next TikTok video versus looking at their analytics of where the hell are they? I'm actually getting traffic from this is actually working. 
Hotjar is a great one. So anytime I build a new landing page or sales page or anything I'm looking as a, as trying to make a highly converting asset, I, I go to Hotjar because I want to see how people are interacting with that page. If I launch a sales page and they're not scrolling below, right below that that initial third yep. of the page, the below the fold, yeah, I, I don't know. They're not seeing right. I got to optimize that. So maybe my headline's weak, or maybe my my one of my sections of my twelve step sales page formula. Maybe it's weak because I'm seeing a lot of people drop off around that section. Maybe they're only spending thirty seconds on that page, right? So those are things I like to dial in and make sure. Hey, this is actually working, right? Um, I think if you're going to be doing a lot of things, I think Zapier needs to be probably included in, in or considered in your tech stack. Um, I think something like Trello or convert or uh, ClickUp. They're yep. absolute must. If you're running anything like this, you've got to have documentation because these are big, big initiatives and projects. I'm a big fan. I was using, um, I was using some like any kind of flow chart, uh, mm. type app. Lucid, Lucid is one I've been using lately where you're mapping these things out because this is very nuanced, right? All these yep. different funnels and stuff like that. I use Lucid. Um, I mean, I could go on and on, yeah. but yeah, those are some of the basics course. that I would use Kajabi. just to have a visual representation of what you're trying to build before you just start building stuff use Kajabi or Thinkific or what do you do for your course platform? No, we actually custom build all of ours uh, on our own website. We use Divi and we use member mouse. And the reason is because the limitations that are provided with Kajabi and some of those, um, you will find that it's easier to get started. It's harder to grow Hmm. because it doesn't communicate seamlessly in the ways that you want it to, to provide the user experience that you're trying to create. So we've taken the extra time on the front end so that we have the customization ability on the back end. So very, very important on that front. We like to own our own assets. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So um, that's awesome. And I, I know we're wrapping up here. What, uh, where can people connect and, and learn more about you, learn about Startup You? Yeah, man. So I'm HeyCMH on all social media. So you want to check that out. HeyCMH and go to HeyCMH.com as well. Bunch of cool resources there, most of which are free to get started. We've got a, a business type quiz. So if you're looking like, hey, I'm interested in just starting a business, but I don't know what like industry wise I know, but I don't know what business model would be best for me and my personality. It's super important. Uh, building my first business, one of the things I realized was, wow, I just don't like. I built a a business uh, uh, a life around my business, not a business around my life. Mm, yep. Super important. Once you figure yep. that out, you're you're good to go. Um, so that that quiz is there. You can go to hastymage.com for that one as well. Uh, and then also my ultimate startup checklist, which is literally womb to tomb, everything you need of like what I would do, not just things, but also the order in which I would do those things. Uh, and then the last one would be, you talked a lot about marketing, right? Like, what does that need to look like? What is that? How do I actually make money online marketing, right? How do I actually start selling my products and my services? So we put a, together a class, 35 minutes. It's 100% free to attend. Uh, and it talks about just that. It's how to start getting customers. It's how to start ramping up your marketing. It's how to do strong, effective uh, marketing presentation, even with a small audience. You do not have to have a large audience. A lot of people think I have to have 100,000. Let's go crush it and grow my Instagram, do a bunch of reels, and then I'll start selling. No, no, no. Literally, we built a seven-figure business with 1,200 followers collectively between Facebook and Twitter. Instagram didn't even exist back then. We had said yeah. we were making seven figures with 1,200 people. It's possible, right? We've got, to, we've got to shift our focus on that so we teach you exactly how to do that in that class. All of those of you are at haystmh.com. Awesome. And off that book list uh, that you read, what have been some of your favorites or ones you'd recommend if someone does have some time to read? If I could only recommend one, uh, I would recommend uh, the one thing by Gary Keller. That's appropriate. Uh, we have to, yeah, we have to, we have to change our our way of thinking as entrepreneurs. Um, and the one thing is going to teach you how to think like an entrepreneur. Uh, it's my favorite book, and I go back okay. and read it time to time just to remind myself of the things that I'm forgetting because it's easy to slip back into the old ways of thinking. So, what's your one thing? 
Impact and influence. I know those are two, but I kind of look at those in the same vein. Am I making impact and am I having an influence? Uh, and I think I try to put impact over it. I try to put impact. Is this the most impactful thing I could do? Or is this something that I'm associating hour for pay again? Right? Mm -hmm. Like what are the things I'm doing right now that have the biggest impact? Right? Like, is this going to create a 10 X return? Is this going to create, right? Or is this going to be something that I just caught in the weeds with? If it is, then I need to find a way to outsource it or delegate it. Right. So that I'm reserving my time for the biggest impact things. Yep. I would say that's probably the biggest thing. Awesome. Cool. Thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. I think you delivered a ton of value and a ton of good ideas. Even I'm thinking on our, uh, you know, auto repair business. How do I go online with it and, you know, get leads and, and like I said, yeah, try to create value to deliver, you know, more to the store. So, um, got, yeah, man, cool. I'm happy to chat about that further too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, cool, man. Well, thanks again. And, uh, yeah, look forward to, you know, learning more about you and, and following you on YouTube and everything else. So, yeah. And, and real quick. So for those listening, you guys don't know what is involved with doing something like what Brian is doing here. You're seeing like the tip of the iceberg, but man, there's so much work in preparation and posts and editing and stuff like that. So if you could do me a big favor, it takes 20 seconds. I promise do two things. I'll tell you why in a second, subscribe, leave a review because those are the top two things that podcast apps look for when they're determining where they're ranking your show. So if you can do those two quick things for Brian here, he puts a lot of time and effort into this. It's literally free to do so. It's like leaving a tip for your waiter or your waitress. Uh, I would appreciate if you'd help him out with that. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, great, great advice. I appreciate that. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't.